Hello and welcome to the Art of Adoption podcast, a place to share and listen to stories about adoption and to raise awareness and remove any stigma surrounding adoption. On this podcast, you will hear real stories from real people about how foster care and or adoption has uniquely shaped each of them as they share the good, the not so good, and the art of it all. I am your host, Amber Way. Hey, how's it going? Did you miss me? (laughs) I was so sick last weekend with the flu. Um, My two littlest ended up having it the week before. And just when I thought I was actually in the clear and it wasn't going to hit me, it hit me (laughs) hard. But I am feeling fine now and ready to roll again. What else? Oh, did you guys have a good Valentine's Day? My mother and father-in-law took our kids overnight on Friday, so we had a little night on the town. It was a belated Valentine's Day. And actually, Valentine's Day is our half anniversary, so it was 14 and a half years. So in August, we will be celebrating 15 years of marriage. And I just found out that 15 years is the crystal anniversary. And I love crystal, especially Swarovski crystal. I'll take that all day every day. Hint, hint, tubs. (laughs) But he actually wants to travel somewhere. I love traveling, but I struggle leaving the kids for too long. Um, So I guess I'll just have to come with. (laughs) Happy anniversary. Do you want to share your story or do you know someone else who does? If so, there are plenty of ways to reach me. You can find me on Facebook at the Art of Adoption Podcast or on Instagram at Art of Adoption Pod. You can also email me anytime at artofadoptionpod at gmail.com or listen anywhere you already listen to podcasts or by going to www.artofadoptionpod.com. I recently received a message from a listener who had this question. Hi, I was curious to see if you need a new birth certificate after adoption. Thanks. Yes. An amended birth certificate is given to the family after the adoption is final. One certificate will be created at birth and the other is filled out when the parents finalize the adoption. The vital information will be the same on both the date and the time of birth, etc., Um, The original birth certificate will list the birth mother's name as well as the name she gave to the child. And adoptive parents can change this name to the one they've picked out on the new birth certificate at the time of finalization. Now, I know that adoptive parents are overwhelmed by the amount of paperwork already involved in the process, so you may not consider how important it is to order a new birth certificate, but it is. Just like with a passport or a driver's license, a birth certificate is a key entry point to many of the child's daily experiences. Anything from enrolling in preschool to seeing a doctor and to signing up for Little League, which means that among all of the other logistical planning, ordering a birth certificate should actually be at the top of your list. The original copy of the birth certificate is normally placed in the adoption records and is sealed permanently. Typically, only the adopted person, birth parents, or adoptive parents can file to access adoption records that are sealed. Of course, having an open adoption makes getting access to the birth certificate that much easier. 
So I hope that answers your question and it was a great one. So thank you so much for calling. And if you have a question or want to leave a comment, you can also call me at 720-722-2839. Leave a message and you may hear your question answered on the show as well. In July of 1993, a beautiful baby girl was born. Her parents were very young and knew they could not give her the life she deserved. So a couple of days later, they placed her into the loving arms of her forever family. That baby girl was named Kaylin. I was adopted at birth. My birth parents were pretty young and my mother was of Korean descent and my father was white, so I'm biracial. And my adopted parents are white. Even though Kaylin is part white, her features are predominantly Korean. So I kind of grew up, I guess, one of those like adopted Asian kids. I asked her if her adoption was an open one. I think it's mostly closed. Like I know their names and I have some background information. And they've sent me a couple letters with some pictures of their family. But we've never actually really been in communication before. I never wrote them back or really have tried to contact them. I hope to someday, but I just kind of need to get my life together a little bit first. So mostly closed, but a couple, there's been a couple communications. I think it was originally, I mean, it was always going to be more of a closed adoption, but I know that at some point my birth mom had reached out and that's when I got the letter, but I was just a kid then. So I didn't, I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like I'm going to go outside now. You know, it wasn't like a, oh, like a big, like, revelation at the time and there hasn't been communication since I was younger so now I'm like well I could probably handle that now. Kaylin's birth parents stayed together and ended up getting married and having more children. My birth parents actually got married after I was born and had more kids so I have biological siblings out there but I was actually raised an only child. I asked her if she was curious or interested in meeting her biological family. Yeah, I'd like to. Like I said, they have kids and they're quite a bit younger than me. So I wouldn't want to kind of like impose myself on anything, especially, you know, like I don't know the the dynamics of their family. I don't know if, you know, the kids know about me or anything like that. So I think I've just been hesitant because I'm not quite sure how to navigate that situation. Because I think from what I know about like other adopted kids, that's like kind of an unusual phenomenon. I'm I'm open to it. But like I said, you know, I want to get my life together first, need to be in kind of a stable place before I'm like ready to kind of make that emotional commitment. Usually I ask when they found out they were adopted. However, in transracial adoptions, it's not typically something that can be kept secret anyways. I'm not really sure what age they actually told me. It must have been pretty young because like I've always like known about that. So my mom, she has blonde hair and green eyes. So we definitely don't look alike too much. Kaylin grew up in the Midwest in a small town in Kansas, so she didn't have much diversity outside of her home either. I grew up in Kansas, which is pretty white. There's not a lot of minorities there. So I was consistently like one of the only non-white kids in the school. Growing up, I do wish I would have had kind of somebody that was, you know, that could culturally identify with me just because, you know, kids make rude comments like it's like they're harmless generally but like you know you do have like comments here and there that aren't super nice and then your parents can't tell you what to do right they're like you go home and you're like hey this comment was made and they're like 
they don't know how to handle it because, you know, they've never had to handle that before. So it, it was a little difficult, I think, just not being able to like talk to anybody about that because, you know, you grow up and you identify, like I'm more identified with Italian. My parents are, my family's like very Italian and, you know, like I kind of identified with that more so than anything but you notice that that's not how people treat you, right? Like other people and like the general public treat you how they see you. And so I kind of noticed that like I felt Italian on the inside, but then, you know, like I'll be out at bars and people will be like, well, where are you really from? And I'm like, uh, Kansas. And they're like, no, where are you really, really from? You know? And you're like, what does that mean? So, and so it's hard because growing up, your parents don't know how to teach you about that, right? Like they don't know how to teach you how to react in that situation. They don't know what to say. They can't identify. So it was just a lot of that kind of growing up, of, you know, my parents not really knowing like what to do or what to say. Transracial adoption, you know, has been big. I think it got pretty big like in the 90s and it is continuing today. Trans, transracial and transnational, I think it's popular. You know, while it's, it's obviously very noble to adopt a child, like that's amazing, you know, to take on such a big task and, you know, raise that child as your own. There does, I think, need to be a lot more cultural development and probably like training uh, to, to take on a child not of your race, you know, or national identity just because uh, the child will always run into those problems, you know, and if the parent doesn't know how to handle it, then that's going to, that's going to be an issue. So I do think either a peer or yeah, like an adult, you know, like a big brothers, big sisters, like program, you know, for, for transracially adopted kids, something like that, just because it kind of lets that kid know, like, you're not alone. There's other people out there, you know, that are with you that, that look like you, that identify with you, you know, and these people are still your parents, they raised you, but you know, you kind of need to have those buddies, I think, to answer those questions for you that you're never really going to have. For some biracial children, finding their identity can become a real problem, even if they aren't placed for adoption. When this happens, they must be talked to and educated in such a way that helps them learn to love themselves, accept and embrace their mixed heritage. As adoptive parents, it is important to think about how you will handle this if and when it does arise. Finding a way to make ethnicity and culture both important but not all-consuming is certainly a balance adoptive parents have to find. However, there are stories and resources to help biracial children and their parents deal with these issues and worries as they arise. Most adoption agencies can help point you in the right direction. I asked Kaylin what her thoughts were around this and what she suggests. I think it's important for for adopted kids to have friends who are also adopted because like that is kind of a big thing to go home and not look like your parents, you know, or to go home and have only been with this family for two years or whatever, or have been, you know, in foster care and are now adopted or, you know, like there's so many different experiences out there. And I think that it is something that you can really identify with and become and build a strong friendship off of because you and this other person are the only people that really understand, you know, where the other one has come from. Like I have one very close adopted friend who was adopted at birth, you know, close adoption, very similar to me. And, you know, like I know that she's one of the only people out there that really kind of gets where I'm coming from. So I think it's, that's important for kids to have other friends um, or, you know, just other peers that kind of have that experience. Caitlin also believes that therapy in general could be very beneficial even for those adopted at birth, as it can help cope with feelings that adoptive parents just may not be aware of. General counseling, I think, is important just because kids are always going to have some sort of 
lingering, even if you like, you know, I was adopted at birth, didn't know anything different by very loving people, had a pretty stable life, but still, you know, you experience random bursts of like anger and feelings of abandonment, you know, even when you, when you understand why the adoption happened, like I know my birth parents were young and had no money and it makes sense to me, but there's still like, especially when you're a kid that's kind of grappling with it. So I think that counseling is important for any kid, no matter where on the spectrum they are being adopted. And then if, if they're, you know, in your area or whatever, if there's support groups or, you know, group therapy for kids that are in, you know, the adoption system somehow, I think that that's important to kind of build those bonds. So those two things. And then, yeah, the transracial kind of stuff are, are the most important things, I think, to like build a healthy adopted child. A quick Google search can help you find dozens of children therapists in your area. However, it would be extremely beneficial to seek out a therapist that specializes in adoption. I suggest using the term adoption competent therapy or therapists when searching for the right fit. There is a different type of trauma that can take place with adoption, especially for kids coming out of the foster care system, but even those adopted at birth due to in utero exposures and trauma and also epigenetics. But that's another topic for another episode, soon hopefully. I asked Kaylin what some of her struggles or difficulties looked like growing up transracially. She said it started in elementary school, or at least that's when she really started noticing it. I think probably like third grade-ish, you know, like, because that's when you start kind of like being more aware of your surroundings socially, like you start picking up more, more things cognitively, right? Like you're, you're not like just a kindergartner anymore, just kind of doing whatever you're told, like you're noticing things about yourself, you're noticing you don't quite look like your parents, right? Like other kids might start making comments. I remember this one girl when I was, I don't know how, I must've been, it was a little older. I might've been like sixth grade, but some girl that was just terrible, you know, said like, oh, you're adopted. That means Jesus like didn't love you. It was pretty shocking. She's terrible. And I, you know, I didn't even grow up religious. Like my parents, we never really went to church, but I was like, really? Right? Like, even though it doesn't, like, again, logically, you're like, you're just a mean person and that doesn't make sense. But that feeling is still like, oh my God, right? Like somebody didn't, you know, keep me. So it's just, I think you start becoming aware of it when you're probably seven or eight. And then it starts like impacting, of course, when you become like, you know, like a preteen and you start acting out a little bit. Like my parents and I always had a good relationship. My mom and I started fighting a little bit more when I got into middle school. And it's just kind of, you know, those, those residual feelings. Like, again, you can logically say all you want, like, I love my family and it's a good thing that I was adopted, but you're always going to have those feelings of like, but why, you know? Now, not every adoptee feels this way. And Kaylin certainly doesn't feel this way constantly. Still, I asked her if she thinks she would feel differently or if it would have been helpful if her adoption was a little more of an open situation. For me, maybe just because like, I, you know, I would have had that more cultural identity, I would have kind of felt that connection more, especially because I didn't grow up with siblings, like being an only child in itself is a whole psychological mess. So I think it, it probably would have helped me in a way. But I think for other people, it might just cause more trauma, depending on, you know, how stable the parents are, depending on why the adoption happened, you know, it, uh, it I think it just really depends on on the parent child dynamic.
And now we will hear Kaylin's Could You Not? One thing I think that, and it, it's the most common thing, thing I think that people hear is, have you ever met your real parents? Or like, what are your real parents like? And like, I don't like that because my real parents are the people that like clothed me and fed me for 18 years and supported me through college and professional school. And, you know, it's like, I will always have a connection with my biological family, but like the, the kind of real family or real parent discussion is I think super ignorant. And it just comes from a place of not, not knowing, you know, it's like, oh, well, my real, I've always grown up and lived with my real parents. You know, it's like, but I think people don't realize the kind of rhetoric behind that is like a little offensive. So Kaylin, what should they say instead? I wouldn't say real. I would say, you know, bio parents or um, birth parents, something like that. Even through the struggles she has faced being transracially adopted, Kaylin has always had support from her parents growing up through grade school and into high school and even having recently graduated from the University of San Diego Law School. Such a badass. I just got really lucky in, in like having a loving family uh, that provides for me and supports me. You know, um, my mom and I, we always talk about, you know, things that because adoption, it, it goes through your whole life. You know, it's like it's never... It, you never stop being adopted and it's something that never really goes away. So we've continued to talk, you know, into my adulthood about things that we could have done better, things that, you know, we could have worked on um, having, like you said, you know, maybe a more open adoption, being more communicative. But I think in the long run, I really, you know, got lucky with them really just being there to support me and never making me feel like I wasn't their child. So I asked, what are some of the things you guys would have done differently or what advice would you give to someone else going through what you guys did or are going through? Like I said, the kind of the counseling stuff, like even if you don't think they need it, you know, even if they're adjusting really well, they're doing well in school, they have a lot of friends, like just do it. Cause I mean, I'm a firm believer that everybody should have counseling at some point in their life anyway, just to kind of, you know, tie up any loose ends or you know, get, get like real therapy, no matter what, you know, what your situation is, I think it's always important anyway. And it's really important for those adopted kids because, you know, they're, they're probably struggling internally with a lot of different thoughts. And it's, and because you're there, like, I always had this thing where I was super uncomfortable talking to my mom about any concerns I was having about being adopted, because I was so worried that I would hurt my mom's feelings, you know, or I was worried that that she would think that I didn't want to be their child or something, you know, like people internalize adopted kids, especially internalize a lot of guilt, kind of being like, Oh, well, I'm adopted. I want to be the best kid I can. Because if I'm not, then somebody's going to take me back. You know, like, I don't want to be taken back to wherever. And okay, I'm going to jump in here and say that rest assured, it doesn't work like that. When it's final, it's final. You can't just be taken back somewhere. Kayla knew that intellectually, of course, but it's still sad that those thoughts even crossed her mind from time to time. There's kind of this thing of there's like a lot of unspoken guilt and fear. And if you have kind of a third party there to talk to them, like I always felt more comfortable talking to other people rather than my mom because I didn't want to hurt my mom's feelings. So just kind of, you know, um, like foster those connections with counselors or therapists or anything because the child will you know, talk to them more openly, but it'll result in a better relationship with, with the parent and the child. I asked Kaylin if she felt like she couldn't talk to her family about these things because of something they had said or somehow they responded to a certain situation. 
Or maybe if it was just something that she internalized. It was just something I internalized. Like my mom was always pretty, um, you know, pretty good about talking to me. Like she had, you know, the pictures. she always gave me the pictures of them. Like she told me their names, you know, she never really hid any information from me, but like, I'm just, I'm a very sensitive person anyway. Like I'm, I'm like a huge empath. I'm always worried about what other people are feeling and how I can like make them feel better. And so I think I just was always worried, like, oh, well, if I show any signs of like, you know, being sad about, not even sad about being adoption, but just like being sad in general, you know, or like feeling like I want to know more about my birth parents, my mom will feel sad, you know, like it was, I think it's just something that like was personal to me, but that I think a lot of adopted kids might grapple with. Like I know my friend who's adopted has the same thing where she's always worried that her parents will be sad if she talks about her birth parents, you know, and I think it would, it's healthier to talk about it, obviously, but kids, cause you know, when you're a kid, you, you always, you know, you don't want to, to talk about things you want to like, you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So it's harder for them to, to come out with it. No one really realizes like the weird administrative things that come with being adopted. Like, like, I, like uh, you go to your doctor's office and there's 10 pages of medical history from your family, you know, that like you can't fill out. Right. And there's like, I was filling out stuff for the bar and um, it was like, you know, any name changes in your entire life. Right. And it's like, well, let's, you know, what's the name I was birthed with? Like who really knows? And so there's so many of these little like weird things that you have to like keep in mind as an adopted person. And I think, there's got to be, I mean, this is like my dream for the future, but like, I think when, when someone's adopted, there should be, and it's like, you know, more of a closed adoption, there should be with Ancestry and 23andMe and all the stuff coming out, there should be some sort of like genetic testing available for adopted kids uh, that can kind of show them family medical history and risks of certain diseases and stuff like that. Cause you know, I don't have any of that information. It would be really, especially now that I'm getting older, um, you know, I'm in my mid twenties, it would be nice to know if there's some sort of something I need to worry about, you know, in the future. Right now, some children's hospitals do offer genetic testing. However, if you're testing for biological research as opposed to a medical diagnosis, it may not be covered under your insurance. Something I'm definitely going to be doing some more research on because I think Keelan is definitely onto something for those that don't have access to their biological roots. Open adoption is definitely becoming more and more of the norm. As long as there are boundaries set up and in place, I truly believe that this is what's best for the child in the long run so that they can have access to their roots and their medical histories. It could help alleviate that feeling of not belonging or that missing piece that so many adoptees describe. As she said, Kaylin doesn't feel like the timing is quite right to reach out to her biological family, and she will when it is time. For now, she's getting settled into a new career, working for a law firm that deals with social security law. And once she feels stable in that, she says she may feel secure in reaching out. So I asked her if there was anyone or anything, like a song or a piece of literature or art, that has helped or resonated with her through her journey. I actually ask everybody this. And she told me about a blog that she came across. Like a year ago, I was browsing Reddit and there was this girl who she posted her link to her blog called, it was called Sometimes Asian, Sometimes 
or mostly, sometimes Asian, mostly American. And it was just a blog about being adopted. Specifically, she was transnationally adopted. So she was born in Korea and then was adopted and, you know, came here and that blog really helped me more than you know than that I don't even know what that girl's name is but (laughs) um, that's a really great blog for anybody that uh, is transnationally adopted would highly recommend (laughs) that's awesome and she also told me about this documentary that she watched so there was this documentary actually PBS did it and it was about 10 years ago I think and I actually weirdly had to watch it for some college class I was in I still don't I don't know why that was in the lesson but it was called off and running And it was about a black girl who was adopted by a Jewish lesbian couple. And this, they kind of documentary, it's told the story of this girl who, who had everything, you know, she could need or want clothes, food, loving parents. She was a track star in high school, but with her parents being kind of so fundamentally different than what she, you know, was having like experiencing growing up as like a young black woman, it kind of showed her struggles with like, well, you know, my birth mother is not white or Jewish and, and she ended up meeting her birth mother and, or at least communicating with her. And she was just really struggling with kind of these, her life growing up. And then these experiences she was having uh, that, you know, weren't the same as, as her family. I've had this bottled up in me for so long that the questions have just started pouring out of me. I've wanted to write to you, but I didn't have the guts to, I just want to know who I am and where I come from. I'm going to tell you exactly who you are, all right? You are my child. You're his sister. You're his sister. I remember you used to have that crate under your bed where you would pack clothes and say you were going to run away to your birth parents. Do you feel black? African-American? African-American. Um, do I feel black? I don't know what that means. So I think the documentary does a really good job portraying kind of that we always think that, you know, adopted families are just blended families, but the child, you know, will always be impacted in some way, whether that's culturally or emotionally or all the above. And she still had a great loving relationship with her, with her parents in the end, but it was just kind of this almost coming of age journey. Um, And I think it's a really beautiful piece showing the love and care that goes into an adoption, but also kind of the emotional toll it takes on everybody involved. because you grow up and you don't really think about all these things all together and then you talk about it for like a half hour and you're like oh that's a lot (laughs) I would like to thank you for being an adoptive parent that's amazing I know from you know my my own parents like it takes a lot and it's such an amazing thing so thank you and thank you so much for doing this podcast too I think like you said you know there's a lot of stigma and misinformation about adoption out there so I think this is this is going to be a really great project Thank you, Kaylin, for shedding some new informative light on this part of adoption. We actually have a biracial child in our home whom we adopted as well. And this information and your suggestions have been enlightening to us. And I know they will be for others as well. 
And thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. You can find me on Facebook at the Art of Adoption Podcast or on Instagram at Art of Adoption Pod. You can also email me anytime at theartofadoptionpod at gmail.com. And if you want to leave a comment or have a question about anything, you can leave a message by calling 720-722-2839. And you may hear your question answered on the show. The theme song, Forever Home, was written and produced by David Other. Find him on Facebook or at davidother.com. Artwork, production, and editing of this show is done by me, Amber Way. Tune in next week for another unique story. And please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. If you enjoy what you hear, tell your friends about it. And please rate and review me on iTunes. Hopefully with five stars. Until next time, just remember, families don't have to match. You don't have to look like someone else to love them. Goodbye. Goodbye.